0: is its own trouble. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we lift up your name this morning in thankfulness and with grateful hearts, acknowledging your providence in our everyday need. We recognize your sovereign power over all of creation. From the rising and falling of the ocean tides to the care for the birds of the field and even the flowers of the field, the birds of the air, the food that we eat and the clothes on our back. Yet we sometimes find ourselves being distracted by the cares of the world and the danger of your word being choked and becoming unfruitful in our lives. We plead with you as David did before us, Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. We pray that your word will have its full effect as we learn from it how to face and to be healed from the anxieties that we experience in this life. And we endeavor to be more like your son, in whom we have our hope, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we saw last week, grief in the life of a Christian can be, and quite often is, indicative of a deeper issue. Outwardly, we might be visibly suffering from any number of symptoms, while inwardly, we're battling a much more problematic issue. That issue is one of control. This week, we'll meet Kathy, who wants to learn how to overcome her feelings of anxiety and be transformed from brokenness to wholeness.
1: 16 I didn't know had no clue what it was but then I had a period of time where I didn't have any anxiety attacks until I was about 22 23 and then I started having them on a more regular basis when I'm feeling anxious I become over focused on my physical body and how it's responding or not responding to what I think is normal could be you know, whatever related to my heart or whatever, even though I've had my heart checked out so many times, it's not even funny. It's almost like a fight or flight kind of a response. Like, I gotta do something right now. I gotta do something, I'm gonna die, basically.
2: If you've never had a panic attack, you will be hard pressed to find a comparable feeling that resembles the experience of being in the throes of a panic attack. Some of the symptoms of this anxiety-driven attack are an overwhelming fear of danger or death, a pounding heart, elevated blood pressure, sweating, shakes, shortness of breath, chills, or hot flashes. Panic attacks can seemingly appear out of nowhere and can completely immobilize the sufferer. You only have to ask someone who's experienced a panic attack and they will tell you emphatically. Panic attacks are real, very real and all panic attacks are preceded by our old friend, anxiety. As I'm looking
3: over Cathy's PDI, anxiety is standing out. We're going to jump into that, and before we get there, we're going to talk a little bit about just the big picture of who she is. I want to know more about what she believes her responsibilities are. Does she see that she has to do everything in her life, that she has to manage every detail? She says that it's something that can even be paralyzing, discouraging her from getting up in the mornings. And as I get into some of the details of her life, what I hope to see is what's the root, what's driving some of this. So let's go find out what Kathy's root issues are, the issues that are driving her anxiety, and maybe you will see the root issues that are driving your anxiety. Hey, I'm Dr. Greg Gifford. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So I, I wanted to clarify just big picture things. Right now, are you working? Or are you not staying home? What does that look like just in terms of your Monday through Friday?
1: I do stay home. My husband and I have two young adults at home. They're both special needs, I guess you could say. I have autism diagnosis, so I do a lot of the driving, and, and yeah. neither one of them drive yet.
3: The next was your health. Is it primarily health that is the point of anxiousness for you? I think so. And I ask not because I'm going to give you medical advice, gonna... and so just to be fair, but it, it does help inform some of the, the big picture stuff that we talk about. Okay. Well, Let me do this. Let me pray for us, and then we'll start to dig in a little bit more, okay? Okay.
1: The worst panic attack that I can remember. I had gone to bed and I thought everything was cool. My husband and I were communicating. Started having some numbness in one side of my arm, and so then I started Googling, which is really what you should not do whenever you're having a panic attack, <laughs> trying to figure out what what are these symptoms, and then it just got worse and worse and worse. But then I ended up getting, you know, uh, admitted to the hospital and. They do the whole run all of the thousands of dollars worth of stress tests and things like that. They told me that good news is not my heart, bad news is anxiety. So yeah, that was really scary.
3: After meeting with Kathy, you can see some of the struggle with anxiety. She shared with us panic attacks that have gone back for 35 years. We don't want to minimize those, but yet we also want to help her approach those from God's perspective. God wants you to think biblically about your health, how to be a faithful steward, and at some point find where that line is of trusting him with your health. Health is, it's not the real issue, it's the pressure point. What I mean by pressure point is it's the squeeze that's revealing what's going on at the root level for Kathy. Health is just revealing really what's going on in her heart, what she believes about God, what she believes about her responsibilities maybe or the murkiness that might be there. So what we'll do now is we'll transition to go get at the root of what's driving Kathy's
2: anxiety. Here's some good news. You worship more than you think you do. Here's the bad news. You and I have a tendency to worship the wrong object. Instead of worshiping God, we turn our attention and our affections toward idols. These idols can take on a physical shape in the form of a car or a house or looks, but just as often we can worship intangibles. Intangibles like peace, happiness, calm, and safety kathy like countless others has panic attacks whose cause is found in the issue of anxiety but anxiety is not the root problem it's merely the manifestation of a root problem and dr gifford is going to explore if kathy worships the idol of control
1: i started looking for help dealing with anxiety and panic disorder right around age 35. Up until that point, I had just held my breath when I would have a panic attack and did some techniques, not necessarily any medications or anything like that. That was
2: not really helpful. (laughs) What is the cure for panic attacks? One secular medical website we visited offered these less than helpful hints. Number one, remember that panic attacks don't last forever. While that's true. It isn't all that helpful when you're having one. Number two, put an ice cube in your hand. This diversionary tactic may or may not be helpful if you happen to have ice and privacy available. Number three, pace your breathing and practice muscle relaxation techniques. While this might help a panic attack subside, breathing and relaxation will never help you get to the cause of your anxiety number four count backwards from 100 to 1. this technique might take your mind off of your panic attacks but it will never cure your anxiety biblical counseling goes beyond behavioral modification to interpret what the medical community would call panic attacks to a more biblical understanding of anxiety and when we let the bible interpret our challenges then the process of victory over panic attacks can begin
1: What is it that typically triggers anxiety?
2: Just a lot of what-if
1: thinking, you know, what if it's my heart?
3: If your health were to fail, why is that such a problem?
1: Feeling like my adult special needs children will not be taken care of.
3: And so your, your health is seemingly serving as a trigger to bring out those fears and to bring out what's going on in the deepest levels of who you are. And I think that's where God can show you that you don't have to bear this by yourself. And that some of the solitude that maybe you've suffered in with your health that's led toward anxieties or worries, things like that, the scripture actually says he wants you to roll over and to cast your burdens onto him because he cares for you. And in that same context, there is this command to not be anxious, The Bible teaches that our heart is at the center of what we do and that we're worshipers and that we're all worshiping something. Romans one says we're worshiping creature or we're worshiping creator. So of course we could say Sunday school answer, what should we worship? And then you and I both say God, you know, Jesus, Holy Spirit, some combination of that. But yet the thing that may surprise us is that's not really what we, we functionally worship. That's not what the day to day of our life looks like. Anxiety and fear and worry, they often tell us something about ourselves. We're struggling to discern what is mine to control and what's God's to control. And dare I say, at times, even worshiping control. When we're worshiping control, what it manifests itself in is worry. If you've ever experienced this where you've heard someone be called controlling, it's never a positive thing, but it often is that they're planning every little less detail they're micromanaging something and that idea of controlling is that in our modern usage of the term that we're we're managing or maybe over managing controlling maybe over controlling but i think on the other side we could say well there is this wrestling with what what am i to control and what am i to not control and when we worship control, what takes place is that our desire to manage, our desire to be in the driver's seat, our desire to plan it out, our desire to see our expectations fulfilled, it's actually gotten bigger than God. So we might not have an idol that says control on it and we fall down in before it, but yet there are times where we micromanage things more and we don't trust God as we should. When we try to take control, often what, what happens is we fail to see that A, we're not. When I try my hardest, I'm still out of control, but B, that God is. God's the one that's in control.
2: While we may not admit it, as much as we seek to control our lives and our circumstances, we have constant reminders that we cannot. The solution to this worship disorder is not to stop worshiping, but to worship the right object, the Lord. And when you begin to sense that you're trying to manage the universe, just stop. Recognize without Jesus, you cannot do anything. And then ask him for his help to put your trust in his ability to control every situation. And when you realign your worship, you will soon discover that your anxiety will begin to flee. Panic attacks seem to be as common as inaccurate weather forecasts. If you Google how many people experience panic attacks, statistics will range from 3% to 35%. And should you choose to Google that, you will also see this less than helpful hint on how to overcome a full-blown panic attack. Follow rule 333. Look around for three objects, then listen for three sounds and then move three body parts. It's hard not to be astounded at the less than helpful ways that the world would help someone who's struggling with anxiety. Biblical counseling eschews gimmicks that serve to distract, but never to get to the root issue of anxiety. Dr. Gifford is about to do some deep digging into Kathy's heart to discover if one of her root causes of panic attacks is unbelief. Now, this is not to suggest that Kathy's not saved, but it's necessary to discover just what Kathy is believing when she's in the midst of a panic attack.
3: What are some of the things that you specifically do to actively remind yourself to trust God?
1: Get up. (laughs) Sometimes that's, That's that simple.
2: Amen. Yeah, no, amen. (laughs) That can be an act of worship. Good.
1: Right. And sometimes it is following my husband's lead, even though it doesn't make any sense to me.
3: So what's important about each of these is you're putting that trust into action. At times it it can feel a bit distant and nebulous to say, Kathy, just view God as being good and knowledgeable and powerful. But how do you practically translate that into everyday life? It's by saying, well, I'm gonna trust that God by doing this. At times, me demonstrating my faith in the goodness, the knowledge, the power of God is me getting up and
1: being faithful to my responsibilities today. What causes me to feel unmotivated to to get up, to do the things that I know that God has called me to? I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I have to get all of these things accomplished and into a certain level of perfection and, of course, reality hits me that that's never gonna happen and so then I just like okay why even try and then I just try to zone out whether it's like you know watching endless YouTube videos or I even do like these mega dot-to-dot things that are just like totally mindless, pointless. But as I'm doing them I'm thinking what? This is not fun. Why am I continuing to do this? So yeah I feel overwhelmed and then I get this perfectionist mindset that makes doing anything
3: impossible even in our health the reality is that there's a view of who God is in the middle of health issues and I don't I don't want to minimize your health issues first of all I know they've been severe and yet right in the middle of those health issues you have a a perspective of who God is big picture let's start with when when we talk about God right in the middle of your health concerns and health issues, what are some of the ways that you view him?
1: Unfortunately, during those times, I think I view him as far off, far away, almost like I've done something wrong for him to allow that to happen.
3: Would you read from verse 25 down to verse 27 and then I'll pick up in verse 28.
1: For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they?
3: And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? When Jesus talks about worry and anxiety, one of the things that he does is he says, Kathy, you have to recognize who God is. In the middle of our worry and our anxiety, we have a really small, insy, teensy weensy view of who God is, and we have a really large, grandiose view of who we are. If God can feed the birds and clothe the grass, he's that capable, Could he not provide for my needs? When I think of my vision of God, imagine if you were to go outside and to stare at the sun. You could take this eensy teensy small coffee straw and begin to attempt to line it up just right to view God through that straw. Or you could go outside, no filter, no binoculars, no telescope and stand in front of the sun and just look up. Our anxieties are like viewing just a small part of who God is when we need to go outside and stand in front of the full glory of God the goodness of God, the knowledge of God, the power of God. And what happens when we do that, we slowly see that we don't have much to be anxious about. I mean, he's in control, he's good, he knows. And Jesus equates it to a lack of faith here. Lord, help me to really believe who you say you are. I'm struggling to think you're distant, I'm in trouble with you, that you're uncaring. Please help me not to give in to those thoughts, Lord. Please help me to genuinely understand you according to your word as you have revealed yourself. Who are you? When we try to be God, we do a lousy job. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's what anxiety tells us. What a kind thing for God to allow us to experience anxiety because it draws us back into only he's in control.
2: On the night Jesus was betrayed, he should have been the one who was anxious in a room filled with his disciples. Instead, he turned his tender care toward his trembling disciples and said a profoundly rich truth, do not let your heart be troubled. And then he added this almost incongruent thought, believe in God, believe also in me. He said that because the root cause of all anxiety is a small faith, there are two ways that you can have a little faith. You can have a faith in a little object, yourself, or you can have a little faith in a powerful object, God. If you struggle with anxiety, stop believing in yourself. Grow in your trust for the Lord. And when panic attack symptoms begin to appear, stop and talk to the one who measures the universe by the span of his hand. Ask Him to increase your trust in Him, the omnipotent, omniscient, loving God, who never does anything to His children, but only does things for His children. If God is for you, who can be against you? Believe that truth, and you will begin to see your anxieties evaporate. There isn't a soul on this planet who doesn't ever struggle with anxiety. Sadly, millions of anxious Christians run to counselors who won't even think about applying God's Word to an anxious believer's life. They might give you a mantra to repeat, breathing exercises to slow down your body, or they might give you a rubber band to snap on your wrist to let the pain distract you from what's making you anxious. Biblical counseling takes you deeper because biblical counseling is not passive. Like biblical counseling, our trust in the Lord should also not be passive. Consider this definition of trust from Jerry Bridges. Trust is not a passive state of mind. It's a vigorous act of the soul by which we choose to lay hold on the promises of God and to cling to them despite the adversity that at times seeks to overwhelm us. Dr. Gifford is going to encourage Kathy to do a weekly homework to continually apply the truths of God's Word to her life. And this will bring about true transformation.
3: The homework is just a practical way of taking the things that we've talked about and applying it to your life. If you're in the Word, you're meditating on His attributes, the one person that's blessed most by that isn't Greg, it's Kathy. So invest in this process. See, this is necessary and integral to your growth. And I hope that as you do that, you'll see God bring about transformation. So the first thing that I'm gonna ask you to do, as I mentioned earlier, is this worksheet. This is a meditation on the attribute of who God is. My intent is that this worksheet would just be a way of helping you meditate on the character of God. He's big, he's in control. And that lends itself to if he's in control and he's big, then I don't have to be him. I don't have to try to be in control. Okay, so the second thing that you'll do is you'll review Matthew 6, and that's gonna be verses 25 to 34. That's the passage where we see Jesus takes us to the character of God. And so what I would like you to do is I'd like you to apply that to yourself. How does God provide for you? I also wanted you to take this Psalm 131. I want you to be able to say, this is what God's calling me to do in regard to my health. Okay, I'd like you to memorize Psalm 56, verse 3. I want you to be meditating on this, that in the temptations to be fearful, the psalmist says, I put my trust in you. And then number five, I want you to just write church involvement. The church is the place where God is designed for you to grow long-term. Do these things seem feasible? Can you accomplish these?
1: God, I believe I can. Okay.
3: When the pages of scripture say God is good and he knows and he's capable, you have to make the same decision that Kathy makes. Will I trust him. You'll see that the local church is that place where Kathy needs to be to continue to grow and so do you. You see, without the local church, our thoughts about ourselves, about God, they become dominant, they take over. We need the steady diet of God's word being preached to us. We need the steady fellowship of other believers to remind us of who God is. And when we see God for who he truly is, Why would we be anxious? And when we see that, not only do we lack reasons for anxiety, it crushes anxiety, but we are then on the road to being transformed.
1: My primary takeaway from my session with Dr. Gregg is that I will seek truth in my life through the word of God versus being dependent upon my feelings or my emotions and my circumstances.
0: Right. Well, I don't know how many of you, uh, like myself, spent a week looking forward to this particular message and uh, experienced a little bit of anxiety yourself. Of course, in my case, I spent the week studying about it, and (laughs) you you may have uh, experienced some anxiety, and then the Word of God was there to help remind you to cast your cares upon Christ and to put your focus upon him. We've got some questions that we have, uh, handed out here on this sheet and like to go over a couple of them and just to kind of recap what we saw in the video and, uh, Keep it fresh on our minds as we go through the week. You'll notice that the difference between this week and last week's questions is that on the back side, uh, I've put some verses that we covered in the video in there to encourage you and remind you through the week as we uh, go through to next week. Um, And then a couple of resources that really, (laughs) I have to admit, helped me this week as I was studying this. helped me to, to get through the week by putting my focus back on God and his word. Um, first question is, what is one emotion, this is, what did he call it, the Sunday school answer, based on what we just saw, what is one emotion that God uses to teach us that we are not in charge? Anyone? Well, anxiety is the answer. But the root of that issue, you had it there, is control, absolutely. Um, Realizing that we are not in control, no matter how hard we work to be, no matter how much we would like to be, um, but that God is in control. And how how can knowing that we are not in charge help us control anxiety. Anyone have an idea? I could put people on the spot. No, that's all right. It doesn't make us responsible responsible for having the answers, right? I hear what you're saying there. And yes, acknowledging that God is in control. It replaces the thoughts that bring anxiety to the to the surface, right? Because the truth of God's word and the fact that He's in control that brings security and comfort, right? And hope and thankfulness to replace the, that that feeling that uh, that we're responsible for every decision and action, which ultimately we're responsible for our decisions and the actions that we make, but when it comes to the control over that, those situations, um, that's where God has, uh, has put himself in the driver's seat, so to speak. Why do behavioral modification techniques ultimately not help us to overcome panic attacks <laughs> <laughs> you're right it's it's not the root of the cause or of, of the issue the panic attack is is not the root and the the techniques that would change our behavior you, you heard him give the example of uh, counting from 100 down to one or putting an ice cube in your hand these are merely uh, you know, things that are meant to trick your mind into or, or distract you from the issue that's at hand. You know, racing heart, shortness of breath, these types of things. But they don't help get at the root of the issue, which just two of the, uh, two of the roots that they covered were uh, the idol of control and little faith. When in truth, there are many other roots that can be examined, aren't there? Because as we discussed in our introduction and again last week, there are many different things that, uh, many different sins that can wedge their way into our lives and cause us to experience these surface-level maladies of grief or anxiety, fear, lack of assurance, lack of peace. It's, it's the issues that are down deeper that keep us from being able to be healed, keep us from being able to be delivered from these issues that we see on the surface. I, I was explaining to, to my daughters this morning that what we see on the surface, that's, that's like the outside of the cup that Jesus was talking about, right? It may be clean, I told her, I said, any, any sinner can get dressed up in a suit and tie, right? What God is concerned with is what is going on inside with our heart. It's what we're dealing with inwardly that is most important because what's going on outwardly, we may, our heart may be racing, we may have a shortness of breath, but what's going on in our heart, that's what is... Most important, because that is causing the racing heart, the shortness of breath. 1 Peter 5.7 says to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And this is something I was confiding in our, our pastors, our elders this morning, um, that I was dealing with myself this week. Again, any sinner can get dressed up in a suit and tie. Um, I, I, like I mentioned to you in the introduction, I'm going through this with you because I too suffer from some of these issues, most of these issues. <laughs> and um, I too want to know how to, how the Word, how God's Word tells us to put our focus on Christ practically. And effectually, and while we're we are to plan and control some things in our lives, um, this week was one that uh, that I myself was reminded over and over of the many different ways that I I myself am not in control, and so as as uh, Pastor or Dr. Giffords mentioned. Uh, Jerry, uh, I, I forget the, uh, the author's name, Jerry Bridges, how he mentioned that trust is something that is deliberate, that it is something that we have to uh, force ourselves to do. It's not automatic. I had to remind myself that I am not in control of these things that I'm coming up against throughout the week, that I had to cast these cares upon Christ. Think that's about all the time we have for, <laughs> and uh, so we'll go ahead and pray, and get on with the rest of our Lord's Day worship. Please pray with me. Gracious Lord God, once again we thank you for your Word, which guides our thoughts and actions and reminds us to train our focus on you. We pray that as we cast our cares upon you, that you would be glorified by the obedience of your church, that your name would be magnified among the nations and among those who do not yet know you. We lift up our leaders here at Pacific Hope Church, Pastor Robert and his wife Michelle, as they spend time together celebrating their anniversary We pray for their rejuvenation and their safe return. For Pastor Matthew and the proclamation of your word that he has prepared for us this week. His family who faithfully stands by his side. For Pastor Mark and Pastor Sean and their families as they sacrifice of their time and their talents to serve us all here out of an obedience to your command to use the gifts that we've been given according to the grace given to us for the deacons the Sunday school teachers and the other servants servants throughout this body we pray for their health and their well-being that you would comfort and come alongside them as they disciple and come alongside to contribute to the needs of your church for all of these things we lift up your name and praise Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.